2023. My hope is built on nothing less. Stand with me if you would as we start tonight. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, no other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the fair. On Christ the solid rock I stand, no other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, His covenant, His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, no other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, for less to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. And let's turn just across the page, 422, yesterday, today, forever, 422. Oh, how sweet a glorious message simple faith may claim. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Still he loves to save the sinful, heal the sick and lame. Cheer the mourner, calm the tempest, glory to his name. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. He who pardoned erring Peter never needs thou fear. He who came to faithless Thomas, all thy doubt will clear. He who left the loved disciple on his bosom rest, bids thee still with love as tender lean upon his breast. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. He who made the raging billows walked upon the sea. Still can hush our wildest tempest as on Galilee. He who wept and prayed in anguish in Gethsemane drinks with us each cup of trembling in our agony. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name on that last as of old he walked to Emmaus with them to abide. 
So through all life's way he walketh ever near our side. Soon again shall we behold him hasten, Lord, today. But twill still be this same Jesus as he went away. Sing it out. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. And one more, 531. I know whom I have believed. 531. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why Christ in his boundless love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that Unto him against that day, I know not how this saving faith to me did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that committed unto him against that day. I know not how the Spirit moves convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith within. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that unto him against that day. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, nor if I walk the van with him or meet him in the but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep them I committed unto him against that day. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to assemble together. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. And we ask that you would take this time that we have set aside tonight for the study of it, that you would enrich us, that you would teach us, and Lord, that you would build our faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, I like what Tammy said. Every time I walk in, it looks like a new church. And uh, so uh, we are making some progress. Uh, if you want to know why the plastic is on the door, it is to keep the dust, uh, as much of it as we can, in the basement. Uh, they are chopping holes in the ceiling and, uh, right up until about 7.10 tonight. And they'll be back at 7.30 in the morning and hoping to finish putting the track work in. And then all that's left will be uh, the ceiling and uh, all the rewiring and uh, the floor and the painting and uh, doors and uh, one thing that uh, did have to let you know um, uh, these double doors back here once we finished the tile work brother Shaw and I went to try to put them back and uh, uh, they're non put backable uh, we're going to have to replace those the, the doors coming into the auditorium and uh, we're also going to have to order doors for downstairs um, 
so that they meet fire code and all that kind of thing. And that's going to be an extra, uh, I think, about $1,500 that we had not planned on. But just to let you know, I called one company in Manhattan, and they only wanted uh, $1,300 with no hardware just for these two doors here. So we got two doors and all the hardware for 15, four doors actually, and all the hardware and a frame for the doors downstairs for 1500 We're doing pretty good. So uh, just uh, keep that um, in, in prayer and Lord willing in two weeks, uh, it'll be April 3rd or 4th, we'll be able to pick up the doors and then you'll uh, really see some wow. So uh, brand new oak. Uh, veneer doors, they'll look really sharp coming in and uh, and we'll also have the same doors only a little bit bigger in the entrance to the basement downstairs. So uh, just uh, keep you advised, if anyone is free Tuesday, uh, you see all of that garbage and debris down both sides of the building Tuesday morning, they're bringing a container in and uh, so as soon as they, uh, what a container is, is a big garbage can. Uh, this will be the size of a small tractor trailer uh, dumpster. I mean, the trailer that goes behind the tractor. And uh, if anybody wants to help us fill it, we'll let you help us. Amen. Uh, strong back, weak mind, all that good stuff. We'll supply gloves and dust masks. Uh, you'll have to supply the elbow grease in the back. And uh, we'll load that thing up and hopefully get it out of here Wednesday morning. And when you come to church next Thursday night, you'll actually see concrete down both sides of the building again, which will be beautiful. And so uh, uh, keep all of that uh, in prayer, if you would, tomorrow night, 7.30 is our singles meeting. Uh, so we'll be looking forward. I, I announced it this time. And uh, so uh, we'll be having that tomorrow night. Be looking forward to that. And um, then, of course, our regular Saturday visitation services Sunday. And uh, keep those in prayer and invite somebody to come with you. Amen. And so let's, um, let's sing one more hymn before we get into our Bible study tonight. Tonight is the overview. We're going to try to finish and just go over the series we've been we've spent the last 14 weeks and uh, let's go to page number one my faith has found a resting place amen and uh, we're just going to try to summarize and cover what we've been going over the last several weeks here my faith has found a resting place not in device nor creed I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Enough for me that Jesus saves, this ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him, he'll never cast me out. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Let's sing that third as the last. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. You may be seated. If you need an outline there, wave your hand. We'll have Brother Ted bring you one. It looks like we have several here. Hope we have enough. Good group here tonight. And uh, uh, what uh, I did was try to compress uh, the outline as much as possible. Uh, there is a front and a back page to 
to your outline and you said, now, Pastor, we can't ever get through just a uh, half a page of regular notes. How in the world are we going to get through a page and a half of this? And uh, there's only one answer. Either we're going to have to move very quickly or we're just going to take another 14 weeks to cover what we've already covered. I don't think we're going to do that. And um, what, uh, what we began uh, uh, just a little over 14 weeks ago, we've had several different uh, speakers in and of course we had the holiday services and uh, New Year's and Christmas and all of that and uh, so uh, it's been all oh, closer let's see here uh, it's been about four and a half months since we started this series something like that at least four months ago and uh, we've just started going through the Bible uh, and finding this idea of Christ in prophecy. And it's not an idea, it's a person, amen. Uh, the people have gone through, I remember watching a um, television show many years ago and uh, had these four little, uh, I don't know what you would call them. Uh, they weren't preachers, that was for sure, but they called themselves scholars of the Bible. And uh, they had developed a voting system because they knew that Jesus couldn't possibly have said everything the Bible said that he said. And, uh, you know, when, when the Bible said God is love, by the way, Jesus did not say that. Uh, John, the beloved disciple, said that in the book of 1 John. Uh, they said, oh, Jesus must have really said that. But when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, that had to be somebody who put something in the Bible after Jesus' day because Jesus would never say anything like that. And uh, where in the world people come up with these ideas, I have not yet figured out. Uh, but the, the simple truth of the matter is, we start at the very beginning of the Bible, and we go the whole way to the end, and we find Jesus Christ, amen, from the beginning to the end. And we started in John chapter 1, in the beginning, what's it say? Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So we go back to the creation, and the book of John tells us we see Jesus. Uh, you go down to verse 14, it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And by the way, you go back to the book of, of Genesis, and it says, God said, let us make man in our image. Now, who was God talking to? Himself. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. That's who he was talking to. And, and uh, now, don't you go home and try that, all right? I had a guy explain to me one time that God is a trinity. He said, now, it's real easy, Pastor. You'll get this after I explain it to you. I always know something's going to be really good when somebody talks like that. And uh, he said, see, now, you're Pete Montoro, the pastor. That's one of your jobs. That's your title. That's your office. But you're also Pete Montoro, the husband, and, and you're Pete Montoro, the father. And that's how it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. He had, he had this patented at the U.S. Copyright Office and all of this because he was the only one in the world smart enough to come up with that. And I said, you know, you copied that out of an old dead theology book. He got a little upset with me about that point. I said, there's only one problem with your picture. He said, what's that? I said, well, repeatedly we have Jesus praying to God the Father and talking to him over and over again in Scripture. Now, if Pete Montoro, the pastor, starts having uh, conversations over here with Pete Montoro, the father, those guys in the little white suits are going to come, and they're going to wrap me up, and they're going to take me away, right? 
Now, God does not have those kinds of problems, amen? It's just He's so much bigger than our little mind can comprehend that we cannot explain Him. But we do know this. He loves us. And He spent this whole book called the Bible. I mean, we, we just finished and you're going to have to pray that I don't do this. I mean, I love the types and pictures of Christ, especially in the tabernacle, so much uh, that I'd like to go back there and spend the whole evening there again, but we've just spent the last five weeks there, and I don't want to uh, go over and over again the exact same things. But, but get ready. Our next study is going to be in the book of Hebrews, and so we're going to get to do a little review. Amen? And uh, uh, I don't know how long it's going to take us to get through Hebrews, but uh, that, that book uh, is, it, it is uh, God's reading glasses for the Bible. If it were not for the book of Hebrews, how many times as we studied the pictures and types of Christ did we go back to the book of Hebrews to get the explanation? Jesus Christ is our high priest. Hebrews chapter 8 and 9. The Day of Atonement, Hebrews chapter 9. Jesus was not only the priest that offered the gift, he was and is the gift that was offered. It's absolutely amazing. And we have specific prophecies uh, all through the book of Isaiah. The book of Micah tells us where Jesus was going to be born. These books were written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Now, somebody said, well, Jesus came along and decided to manipulate events so that he could prove to everyone he was the Messiah. Uh, how many of you chose your parents? How many of you chose where you were going to be born? Do we have anybody here like that? Um, how many of you uh, are going to choose what people think about you during your life, how people are friendly toward I mean, all the prophecies that the religious leaders of, Jew, of Jesus' day would reject him. Right there. Who hath believed our report? Isaiah chapter 53. You read Psalm chapter 22. It's talking about Jesus' crucifixion. It even talks about the soldiers casting lots for his garments. And one of the things that we want to um, uh, just go over again is it is, um, uh, I can't, the, the mathematics is called probability. It is a mathematical impossibility for one man to fulfill these prophecies that are written down in the Scripture hundreds of years before he was born. It's not possible to happen by coincidence. If you find anybody that knows how to do probabilities, let them start figuring that thing out. I mean, the book of Daniel prophesied the very day that Jesus rode the little donkey down the slope into the city of Jerusalem from the decree of the Persian king to rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem. I mean, the city of Jerusalem. Rebuild the temple. Now, here's some people's answers. They go back and they say, well, you see, there were actually five Isaiahs. And Daniel was written after the fact. No. Daniel was a real man who lived from somewhere in the uh, uh, early 600, 620, 620. 15, somewhere. He was a young man, a teenager, when he was carted off to Babylon in about 606 B.C. And he lived through Nebuchadnezzar, through his son, through his grandson. He was working in the kingdom uh, of the uh, Medes and Persians for several years. He was about 80 years or so. Now he was in his 90s. And he died in the reign of the first Persian king. He could have 
he would have had to have been in his 90s at that time. Now, is that that unusual? Is that that improbable? No. And yet, it's what the Bible tells us. And there's no way that Daniel could have known the date or the decree and all of these things. And pro God put it down in this book called the Bible. You know, uh, probably the most scoffed at, laughed at, ignored, changed, whatever you want to call it. But if you'll just open its pages and begin to study the words, you'll find out that the evidence is impossible to disprove. The prophecies, the direct references, the disciples are standing there watching Jesus run into the temple and chase out the money changers and the, and the people who were selling the sacrifices. And, and you say, why was he doing that? Well, it was because they were selling the sacrifices in the court of the Gentiles. And they were not allowing people to come and pray in the temple. Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer for who? All people. And what did the disciples say? They said, they remembered the scripture where it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. That was the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of the disciples, reminding them of prophecies that were written hundreds of years, uh, thousands of years, some of them, before Jesus was born. And they were seeing them fulfilled step by step by step. And yet, when it came to the resurrection, where were the apostles? Right? They were hiding in a room. They were scared. They, they didn't know what was going on until Jesus appeared to them. Uh, I love Luke chapter 22 and chapter 20, 24. These are the summaries from the Gospels. Jesus was speaking in both places. He says, For I say unto you that this is written, that this, that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. In chapter 24, this is Resurrection Sunday, and said unto them, thus it is written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And we went through those prophecies from the Old Testament that deal with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We come down to the, the, the types of Christ. And there are so many pictures of Jesus in the Bible. I mean, uh, I love to refer to the Bible as God's picture book because He shows us by living example the picture of Adam. We go to the, the book of Romans. It says that as by one man death entered the world and, and uh, sin entered the world and death by sin, so Jesus Christ came and he brought life. Amen. Adam was a picture. Adam was the beginning of the human race. Now, isn't it interesting that evolutionists has come to a stunning conclusion that the human race must have one common ancestor somewhere in the background. Now, isn't it interesting that the evolutionist has spent since the 1880s trying to figure this out, and they finally came up, and they've agreed with the Scripture. I love it. I really do. In fact, the new direction evolution is going into and the evolutionists are talking about now is they do not believe in microevolution, the thing you were taught in school where one little mutation led to another little mutation led to another little mutation and somehow a one-celled organism became a 10-trillion-celled human body. Uh, they kind of figured it mm, not going to work. So now they believe in macroevolution where a whole bunch of changes happened all at the same time. They're getting closer. Amen? We just believe a whole lot of changes happened at one time. Amen? God spoke and there it was. Uh, they're getting closer. They really are. And, and maybe one of these days they'll recognize the truth. Who knows? Adam, Melchizedek, 
Now, we don't have time there tonight. I, wish, I, I love that. Melchizedek is the first priest that we have mentioned in the Bible. He was a different priest. He was the priest that Abraham gave his offerings to. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was called to be a high priest, not after the order of Levi in the temple made with hands, but after the order of Melchizedek in the temple that was made without hands into heaven itself. Melchizedek is a picture or a type of Jesus Christ. Isaac, the promised son, picture of Jesus Christ. Isaac's birth was miraculous. So was Jesus' birth. He was the promised one. Joseph. Joseph's story in the Bible. The men that went to the men's meeting in Montreal got a lot of great preaching on Joseph, didn't we? And the reason Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ is simply this. Do you know that there is not one sin recorded in the Bible about the life of Joseph? Now, we know that Joseph had to have sinned because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Only Jesus never sinned. But there's no recorded sin in the Bible of Joseph. Joseph was hated of his brethren. Jesus was hated of his brethren. Joseph was ignored. Jesus was ignored. Joseph was uh, Joseph did not have to die. He was put in the prison. He was put in the dungeon. And, and he was uh, uh, degraded as, as low as a person could possibly be. So was our Lord Jesus Christ. And being taken from the dungeon one day and made the second ruler. Now, isn't it interesting that he was made the second ruler? Because Jesus will be the second ruler. Did you ever think about that? I missed that one. It just popped into my head right now. You've got to get that one out. Because as Joseph was made the second ruler of Egypt, 1 Corinthians tells us that not all things are put under his feet, but when all things are put under his feet, he's going to surrender himself that God may be all in all. Boy, the Bible's a neat book, isn't it? We see Boaz the kinsman redeemer. The one who took a wife of the Moabites, the people who were cursed. And from that woman who was cursed, in God's word, read it, the Moabites could not enter the congregation of Israel until the tenth generation. But God took this Moabitish woman and she married Boaz as part of the law. It was required by the law that the near kinsman marry the wife of the dead to give a name and a seed to those that would go on after them. Jesus Christ is going to take a bride of the cursed people. Amen. It's called the church. He's taken the wild olive branch, that's us Gentiles, and grafted us in to the new olive tree, to the, old, to the, to the, uh, the olive tree, which is his chosen people. And he's going to make one church of all races, of all kindreds, and he is going to remove the curse and raise a seed a testimony to His goodness and His grace. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Wow. Those are just some pictures of Jesus. Amen. We have the rock at Horeb. Moses messed this picture up, but it's still there good today. They were in the wilderness. They were wandering. God told Moses, you get up on top of this rock at Horeb and you smite the rock and the water's going to come out. Later on, nearly 40 years later, he tells Moses to go up to another rock. And he says, now listen, you take Aaron and the 70 elders, you go up to that rock and you speak to the rock. Numbers chapter 20. Moses got mad. And you know, as human beings, we can understand why Moses got mad. 
But don't mess up God's picture because then he gets mad. And Moses wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. Remember that? It was because he refused to sanctify the Lord. He was not setting up that picture because there's a prophecy in the Old Testament that says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he is our rock. He was smitten, the water of life comes out. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember the story with the woman at the well? He said, she, he told her, said, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking a drink from me. And she looks at him and says, you don't even have a pitcher to draw water. He said, but I have living water, the water of everlasting life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a beautiful picture. The brazen serpent, as it was lifted up in the wilderness to give people freedom from death. Why were they dying? Because they murmured against the Lord. Before we get too hard on either the children on the children of Israel, let's just stop and uh, take a little poll. How many of you have murmured against the Lord? Now, look, come on, let's be honest. Raise your hand here. You can't be honest at church. Where can you be honest, right? We've done the same things. But if we'll look to the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be set free from our curse. Amen? Even old Jonah, the healing tree, the waters were bitter. They did not bring life. They cut down the branch of the tree and cast it in the waters. It made the waters drinkable. Jesus Christ is called the branch in the book of Jeremiah. You put him in the water of your life, in the water, the bitter waters, bitter, made bitter by sin, and he takes the bitterness out and gives us life. Amen. Even old Jonah, Jesus told the Pharisees of his day, as Jonah was three days in in the belly of the earth, so the Son of Man. I mean, in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will be three days. The Pharisees understood what Jesus was saying. They went to Pilate and they said, Listen, you better set a guard at that tomb until the third day. Which just goes to show you what would have happened if Jesus had come off the cross. They Remember the mocking on the cross? They said, If you'll come off the cross, we'll believe you. No, they wouldn't have. They had already made the decision in their heart that they weren't going to believe. That's why they went to the Roman governor. They wanted to find the strongest and most secure force that they could to make sure he stayed in that tomb till the third day. But I love the story of the angel, amen? Those Roman soldiers, what did they do? They played dead. Some of the strongest soldiers on the world. And what would you do if you saw a guy floating down out of the sky, picked up a stone that weighed about 4,000 pounds and just tossed it away, said, come on. I'm playing dead too, amen? But that's what happened. Then we get very quickly, and we'll try to, we're going to, we're on, on, on pace here to finish this whole thing tonight. Could we just take a moment and uh, I would ask you to draw in your mind the picture of the tabernacle. The seven foot high linen fence that went around the outside of the tabernacle, one door. Jesus said, I am the door. John chapter 10. There is only one way to God. There has only ever been one way to God. You say, but wait a minute. We go back in the Old Testament and, and they had all of those sacrifices and before the temple and, and, and there were things that changed in the Bible. And, and how, does, how can you say that there was only one way? It is through obedience 
to God's revealed Word. And you go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. God took those animals and He killed them and He took their skins and He made them a covering for their nakedness. That is the Bible picture of the Old Testament word atonement. Until He who came who redeemed us, who paid the price, which was Jesus Christ. Every sacrifice was a picture. The, the, you had the one door. You came through that door. The first thing you were faced with was the brazen altar upon which there was always a fire. Now that brazen altar is not a picture of Jesus Christ because He did not suffer all the time. He was a picture of the daily sacrifice because that was a continuing, in essence, an eternal sacrifice because the fire never went out. The fire began when God rained fire down from heaven upon that brazen altar and it was to be kept kindled. In fact, that fire that God kindled in the tabernacle in the wilderness did not go out until Nebuchadnezzar's armies destroyed the city of Jerusalem. That same fire was burning. It's a picture of the eternalness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The meaning for the brazen altar for you and I is the death of self, is getting rid of ourselves, is total surrender to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to the brazen laver. That's a picture of daily cleansing. Because as the priest ministered in the tabernacle, guess what? His hands got dirty. They got covered with blood from the sacrifices. And he had to wash his hands and his feet in order to minister in the tabernacle. That's for us. But once you get into the tabernacle itself, the candlestick sat upon the, right, uh, the left side as you walked in. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Amen. John chapter 8. You can only see clearly and understand this book called the Bible and understand the world in which we live through the influence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought, you ever remember, just sat down and begin to think the way you used to think about things? We've had many people over the years come here and it's kind of interesting to watch the change as they begin starting with, oh, uh, the Bible's full of contradictions and errors and, you know, it's really an, un, uh, an incomprehensible book and you can't, and all of a sudden it clicks and they start, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and they get saved and then they start realizing, hey, this book is a practical book. It has the answers for every problem I face every day. Isn't that a wonderful change? Aren't you glad you have something to hold on to today? By the way, written word, Jesus is the living word. Amen. By the way, this is the authority in the church, not me. Isn't that wonderful? We don't look to the authority of any human being outside the Lord Jesus Christ. None. And you can take this book home and read it for yourself. Because it's not of any private interpretation. If you're the only one that was smart enough to figure it out, you'll, you'll be like our dear friends that try to have five Isaiahs and 14 Daniels and there's absolutely no place to get all this stuff except out of the machinations of the human mind. Now, am I going to trust them or am I going to trust this? I'll, I'll stand on this. Amen. And um, over here, the table of showbread. I can see to partake of the bread of life. And directly in front of me is the golden altar of incense, prayer. 
I pray to the Father in Jesus' name under the influence of the Holy Spirit. By the way, the veil is gone. Jesus did away with that when he paid the price for all sin. Now we have direct access to God. We never need to go any farther than the mercy than than the golden altar. The mercy seat, it's all been taken care of, amen. Because Jesus was not only the high priest that entered once into the holy place, he was also the sacrifice. It was his blood that was sprinkled upon the mercy seat in heaven that has obtained an eternal redemption for us. And we look through the book of Revelation and we find out just a few things. Uh, the throne of God is surrounded by cherubim. The mercy seat was covered by cherubim. There's a golden altar of incense, Revelation chapter 8, that sits right before the throne of God. The mercy seat sits on the Ark of the Covenant. Guess what's in the Ark of the Covenant? The Word. The mercy seat is the throne of God. And by the way, Revelation chapter 5, where did Jesus show up? I don't know how to explain it. I just know what it says. It says, in the midst of the throne. Now, there's already somebody sitting on the throne, amen? That was God the Father, and He was holding that book in His right hand. And in the middle of the throne, while He's sitting on the throne, there appears the Lamb as if it had been slain. The sacrifice the offerer of that sacrifice. And what did it say? He has prevailed to take the book and to open it and open the seals thereof and to look upon that book. What is that book full of? God's judgments. The most horrific judgments ever executed in all of history will happen as that lamb opens those seals and opens that book. But those who have believed in the Lamb won't be there for the judgment. Amen. They'll be with the Lamb in heaven. Oh. And so we go through the, um, the different feasts the daily sacrifice, we've talked about that. The Passover, it is the blood that is applied to the life of the Christian that gives us, that, that causes God's judgment to pass over us. We are looking forward yet to the Feast of Trumpets. The seventh month, I believe the proper name is Rosh Hashan, the beginning of the new year, the trumpets were to sound. The Bible says that with the last trump, Christ is going to come and redeem His church, take His church out of here. Then God's judgment is going to come. And so, uh, the reason why we have spent so many weeks here and going through, literally, from cover to cover of the Bible is simply to take the time as a church and understand something about the Lord Jesus Christ. This entire Bible is about Him. There are many people today, and I don't know how else to put it, I don't want to sound repetitive to those that are here all the time, but people come to this book called the Bible constantly trying to find the actualization of their own dreams and wishes. God is not the God of self-esteem, my friend. In fact, if you read this book called the Bible, it's quite a blow to your self-esteem, amen? I mean, you'll read about yourself in this book, and, and uh, if you don't get just a little discouraged and a little depressed, you haven't been reading it right. I mean, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Boy, that's encouraging, isn't it? 
It says, for all have sinned. Read Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 2, that all the world may be guilty before the Father. By the way, the Ten Commandments. You ever meet anybody that says, well, I haven't done anything that wrong. Well, just take them down through the Ten Commandments. It was interesting a couple years ago. Uh, they haven't asked me again. I don't know why, but... Uh, uh, a couple years ago, they were having what they called the Ten Commandments walk for the Boy Scouts in uh, in Queens, and uh, they gave. They said, "Now, would you please do one of the Ten Commandments?" And I said, "I get to preach." And they said, "Well, you get to explain that tenth com- that commandment to everybody." Mine was, "Thou shalt not lie." So, boy, I think Bill Clinton was president then, but I didn't talk much about him. Uh, just a little bit. Um, but they had the Ten Commandments all divided up wrong. Because, you see, there's some people that would be upset if it said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And so they took that one out. And they uh, divided, Honor thy father and thy mother. And uh, it, it was interesting. I pointed it out to the man. Oh, well, I'll have to look at that. Well, he wasn't having any intention of looking at that. But you take somebody down through the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You have to break that one before you break any of the others, my friend. Because you have to put yourself in the place of God and tell yourself that what God said was wrong so you can go do it. Now, very few of us would be as bold and as brash to look at God and say, Now, God, you were really wrong about this thing because I I need to do this thing that you said I shouldn't do, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. But if we'll stop and we look, that's exactly what happens every time we sin, is it not? We set ourselves on the throne and we make our own decisions. You know what the book of Galatians tells us about the Ten Commandments? They were our schoolmaster. How many of you thoroughly enjoyed school? I mean, it was just a blessing every day. Don't you raise your hand. I was there. (laughs) That's my son. You loved school when you could do school your way. (laughs) But I'll, I'll tell you, most of us learning is a challenge. Amen? Or, oh me, I think would actually be the more proper response. Um, We have to work at it. And those Ten Commandments teach us one thing. We cannot save ourselves. They teach us that we are guilty. When the Bible talks about you and I, it's not very pleasant. But when it talks about God, oh, then it gets good. Because it talks about a God who loved us enough not to sweep our sins under the carpet. Now, how many of you have ever done that? Swept something under the carpet when nobody was looking? Or pretended that something really wasn't quite as bad? I mean... uh, when Brother Shaw and I were working on these double doors, we were doing everything we knew how to do to save those doors. We were shoving toothpicks in the holes to try to get the screws to hold and, and lots of little tricks. Uh, then we took it apart and the spine of the door is broken. I mean, it's just shattered. Can't fix that. Have to replace the door. When we look up in this book, We do everything we can to fix ourselves, don't we? We dress it up, we paint it up, we primp and prop, and and, uh, then we take pictures and we touch up the photographs after they're done, right? But as we look in here, we find out that the, the heart is bad. And all the rest of it is connected to the heart. Can't fix it. Got to get a new one. That's where Jesus comes in. Because he wants to give us a brand new life. That's why the Bible calls it being born again. Amen? Can you say amen tonight? There we go. 
We're, I mean, I got two minutes left and we'll be done. We're on schedule here. We look at all of these prophecies. Where he was born. When he would live. How he would live. How people would treat him. How he would die. How he would raise again. How everything that Jesus did was pictured in minute detail by the operating and the ceremony in the Old Testament tabernacle. There's not one person nor one group of persons in this world that's smart enough to figure something like that out, let me tell you. It was Peter that said, We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you. But you read on down through that. He said, I heard God speak from heaven twice. He says, But we have a more sure word of prophecy. He was talking about the old what we call the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. He said, I heard God speak from heaven. He said, But what we have written down is more sure. Whereunto ye do well that ye what? Take heed. Now this is one of the reasons I hate these new versions. Because they take that next verse, that the rest of that verse, it says, Until the day dawn and the day star rise in your heart. And these new versions, I, I didn't believe it until I looked it up myself. First time I read it in a book that was criticizing the new versions, I said, This is insane. This cannot be true. But it's got a cross-reference to Isaiah chapter 14. In your King James Bible, it says, Lucifer, son of the morning. In your new Bible, it says, Daystar. The exact same title that Peter uses of Jesus Christ. That's blasphemy in the highest order. But it's there. Go home and read it. I got a New Century Bible. I read it in a New Century Bible. That's why I use King James. Yeah. Old one, too, not new one. Uh, it takes a little bit of work. But I'll tell you what. We've said this so many times. Isn't it worth the effort to have the real thing? Isn't it worth the effort? I mean, it, it takes some effort. It's going to. And, and by the way, there's, there's some good translations in other languages too. If English is not your mother tongue, you can, you can get a good Bible, but you have to be careful. I'm, I'm, I remember talking to someone who translated, uh, I believe, it was the Tagalog New Testament. And she said, well, I worked on that translation and eternal security just isn't in there. Yeah, it's because you didn't put it in there. But what happens when Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish? Where did that come from? I mean, that's in there, my friend. Jesus didn't come to give us a halfway conditional salvation because there's nothing we can do to earn it, deserve it, or keep it. That's why this Bible is all about God and none about us. Because God did everything. All we have to do is accept Him. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You this night, and Lord, we just want to praise Your most precious name that You cared so much about us as sinful, fallen, rebellious human beings to give us this book called the Bible that is just so filled with prophecies and pictures and truths about your Son and about your love for us. Lord, we would pray that there would not be one here among us that would withhold our life, our heart from you, but would surrender completely to you and trust only in you. Lord, you said it is finished on the cross. 
And if we'll believe that you are the Lord, the Savior, that you died and rose again the third day, the Bible says, Thou shalt be saved. Lord, we pray for the salvation of each one here tonight. And Lord, we thank you that once we believe and once we pray, that salvation is an eternal salvation. We pray that we would live in the light of your great love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.